0: Hello, Anza Valley. We're here again with Roy for some more botany loveliness. What would you like to present today, Roy? All right, thank you, Aaron. I'd like to talk about uh, some of Luther Burbank's brambles his blackberries, raspberries, and, uh, and uh, hybrids. So, um, one of the most uh, famous of which is his uh, white blackberry. So, there was uh, a wild uh, blackberry found in New Jersey that uh, had berries that were brownish yellow. It was given the name crystal white but uh, the berries themselves were actually brownish yellow and so what Burbank liked to do was take the unusual and um, bring out its best uh, characteristics even better. He liked to uh, sort of exploit those those rare traits and uh, make something novel out of it as he felt that he could uh, do well selling novelties in his hybridization and uh, his nursery business so so he got uh, stock of the uh, crystal white blackberry and he worked on it uh, to bring out the uh, the white trait Uh, it's a blackberry with white fruit so he was able to get that and then uh, the fruit itself uh, was not that great tasting so what he did is he crossed it with a leading blackberry of its time called the Lawton and there's a nice little write-up in uh, his 12-volume uh, set about the, uh, the horticultural uh, history of the blackberry. In fact, uh, blackberries as garden plants uh, were basically unheard of until about the late 1840s. And then uh, uh, the first name variety that uh, is mentioned is Dorchester. It was followed by uh, one called the Lawton, which is still around. And I have a hunch that uh, the blackberry called Darrow today, named after the scientist George Darrow, may be a renamed Dorchester, but that's another story. So anyway, he took his, uh, his modified crystal white blackberry and crossed it with the Lawton, and uh, uh, the resultant progeny... course we're all dark buried, but uh, as he found out independently of what Mendel found out is if you cross those again in the second generation is when you you see the segregation of traits and so that way he was able to get a combination of the white uh, uh, color and the good flavor so and uh, that uh, the the final result of uh, those experiments was introduced in 1894 as a blackberry called iceberg so Uh, There was someone named John Nettleton, who unfortunately has passed away. I had the good fortune of meeting his brother Randy and his wife Mary uh, in Corona, uh, California, a few years ago. Anyway, it was John Nettleton who found uh, a white blackberry growing on an abandoned farm in Indiana uh, back in 1970. And so he grew it for a number of years, and then later, as in probably about 30 years later, he decided to take a patent out on it and... uh, it is now known as the, uh, the Nettleton white blackberry, and I have reasons to believe that it is the original uh, iceberg uh, blackberry that uh, Luther Burbank had uh, developed. So, and then there is, uh, someone has pointed out, I believe one of uh, Burbank's auto, one of his, uh, his biographers, excuse me, uh, pointed out that Luther liked to breed plants in the musical term, octaves. So he would take something, take a hybrid, and try to improve it an octave higher uh, as he was very keen to uh, uh, perceiving the different aspects of a plant. And, and so in 1916, he introduced uh, another white blackberry called the snowbank. And so I have the good fortune of growing both varieties. Uh, one I acquired as the Nettleton, and I believe is his original iceberg of 1894. And then, of course, his uh, improved white blackberry, uh, that being the snowbank. It's uh, it's an erect stem, it's uh, a very large growing plant, especially under good conditions, and produces an abundance of uh, white blackberries. So, and that was 1916, its year of introduction. So in addition to uh, the novelty of a truly white blackberry, uh, was a thornless blackberry. Uh, most people familiar with blackberries, uh, may dislike them on account of the thorns, uh, rip your skin open when you're looking for the right fruit. And so um, Luther Burbank tried as far back as 1880 uh, to develop a thornless blackberry from a variety then called the Wachusett's thornless and he writes in his autobiography that uh, he just sort of ran out of time and sort of abandoned those experiments he had other things he was working on that were higher priority, so they never came to fruition in both the figurative and literal sense of the word. But then later, his friend David Fairchild, the famous plant collector, sent him um, uh, plants of a wild blackberry found in North Carolina, uh, believed to be Rubus canadensis, and it was nearly uh, totally thornless. And so uh, Luther Burbank's interest was rekindled in his... Um, idea of producing a truly thornless blackberry and so from that uh, strain he was able to produce uh, a truly thornless uh, blackberry and again it lacked the flavor so he was able to fix the trait of thornlessness to a high degree and then uh, crossed it with a number of other good flavored blackberries of its time and uh, he writes that in 1906 he had an especially good uh, plant that was further developed and so it was introduced as the the thornless blackberry. So in additional research I've done I've come across especially in uh, Professor Howard's compendium, his 1945 compendium of Burbank's plants, there are actually two thornless blackberries, one named Santa Rosa and one named Sebastopol and they were both listed as a year of introduction of 1920. So I'm a little perplexed at this point. I've done a lot of searching around and a lot of thinking about this and so I, uh, it's a little premature, but I'm suspicious that perhaps uh, the thornless blackberry, known today as the Oregon Evergreen Thornless, uh, maybe it, in fact, is one of the two, although it's it's just speculation at this point. But I do have the clone that is growing at the Burbank and Gardens, and it is truly thornless uh, and does produce a lot of fruit. It's almost a, a weed, if you will. So... Uh, again, success. Burbank set his mind to do something and uh, had, had help, of course. You know, I guess we all have some help in life. And was able to, uh, to get to the state of a, uh, not only a white blackberry, but uh, another blackberry variety that was truly thornless. Uh, thinking about this, I think it would be interesting if he had continued those experiments and came up with a blackberry that was both thornless and had white fruit but maybe that's an experiment left for today's breeders to, to take on. So. Um, but the berry that uh, Luther Burbank is probably most famous for is one called the Himalaya. In fact, uh, it's, uh, it's classified as a noxious weed. It was so productive, he uh, imported seeds from India and uh, he gave it the name of the Himalayan or the, the giant Himalayan. It's a very aggressive plant. Canes are known to grow an inch to an inch and a half across at the base, and uh, very productive. It's found growing wild, uh, in a feral state, I should say, along many uh, northern California rivers and even in the southern California mountains. So uh, that again resulted from seeds imported from India, according to the writing. Uh, it's now known to be actually native to Armenia, uh, but. Uh, Burbank worked with it and was able to develop a uh, very um, good fruiting. The fruit is actually fine-flavored and aggressive uh, blackberry that uh, uh, is now known as the Himalaya. And Professor Howard tells of an improvement on that and uh, called the superb. It's a uh, resulted of uh, work done on the Himalaya. Now, I do have a, uh, a blackberry... If you examine its inflorescence, uh, if you liken the inflorescence to uh, something like you might see at a f- fireworks show on the Fourth of July, it does have more uh, sparkles to it in the sense that there there's more branching in the inflorescence. The inflorescence is the technical term for the uh, flowering structure of the the berry plant, and uh, it. Uh, I did find a clone of uh, what is I was told was Himalaya, but I believe could be his uh, improved Himalaya called Superb that has uh, additional berries, uh, a, a greater arrangement of berries, if you will, on the, in the inflorescence than does the typical Himalaya uh, as aggressive and uh, productive as it is. So. And again, this is where uh, having the uh, actual copies of uh, his catalogs would really help if I could uh, further read the descriptions uh, when they were introduced and uh, make a better determination on whether or not that what I have is his improved Himalaya berry called the superb uh, blackberry. So in addition to uh, both the white thornless and Himalayan uh, berries. He did work on, uh, on raspberries and on uh, blackberry raspberry uh, hybrids. Uh, I suppose I could jump into the, uh, the blackberry raspberry hybrids first. He, uh, it was known in his time, uh, there was a, someone named Judge Logan. who was an actual judge who lived in Santa Cruz who had found a berry in what was termed his dooryard. So either his front yard or his backyard but generally just known as the dooryard, which was different. It was found somewhere between the years 1879 and 1881, and it became known as the Loganberry, and it turned out to be uh, a, a naturally occurring cross in his garden between a raspberry and a blackberry, So among the differences, raspberries typically have the red fruit that detaches from its receptacle very easily. And blackberries do not do that. So the core of the fruit remains as part of the fruit. So uh, Burbank knew about the Logan berry, and so he he set about um, doing his own crosses uh, where he was able to produce a berry that was called the Phenomenal Berry, the name Burbank gave to it was Humboldt and it was changed by the person he sold it to to Phenomenal. And I do have uh, the, the Phenomenal berry. It's a, it's a good fruiting uh, berry. It is a hybrid between um, a raspberry and a blackberry. And speaking of such hybrids, there's a good paper that George Darrow wrote. Uh, it's a 1955 paper. It's found, I believe, in the Journal of Heredity. If one wants to read about the uh, the chromosome counts and the ploidy state, uh, etc., cetera, of uh, these various blackberry raspberry hybrids. There's a nice little write up on that. Again, it's a 1955 uh, Journal of Heredity and it's a paper by George Darrow himself, uh, uh, a berry expert of the 1930s and 40s and 50s. So what I've observed in recent years is that berry that you order today from mail order catalogs uh, known as the thornless logan berry uh, as far as I can determine is actually misnamed. Uh, Burbank was adamant that his um, phenomenal berry was a big improvement on the logan berry and uh, the thornless uh, logan berry as we know it today Has leaves that are very closely matched to that of his phenomenal berry. So I think what happened is somewhere along the line is someone uh, was able to breed the thorns out or use maybe a tissue culture technique where uh, a thornless variant of the phenomenal berry was developed and was given the name uh, thornless loganberry when in fact it's actually a thornless phenomenal berry. I was able to get a plant of the the so-called true loganberry sale at green scene at Cal State Fullerton from the Orange County chapter of the California rare fruit growers and uh, the leaves are different than, uh, uh, significantly different than the phenomenal berry and the the berry that is now known in the trade as the uh, thornless logan berry. So um, I'd also like to touch on uh, a raspberry called the Baba berry. I did some research into the Baba Berry, which is a uh, uh, a raspberry that does very well, especially in Southern California. It was heavily promoted in the 1980s. And so I checked the USPTO uh, website, that's the US Patent and Trade Office, and read the patent on it. And it turns out that it was found uh, in a cultivated state, in Idlewild, So uh, we're talking about a locally found berry that acquired uh, quite a bit of fame. In my opinion, uh, because it was found in a cultivated state, it probably was somebody else's. And in fact, not only that, I have reasons to believe based on my copy of uh, uh, Luther Burbank's 1893 Catalog of New Creations, uh, that it is his October Giant. Uh, So there's a good possibility that what we know today as the Baba Berry is actually Luther Burbank's October Giant. And there are others, uh, perhaps like Willamette um, could be either uh, the Eureka or Dictator. Those were two other raspberries that Burbank had developed. Uh, It is possible that, uh, and since uh, Willamette was a leading commercial variety for a large number of years, that it is um, actually one of Burbank's improved varieties of uh, raspberries. So these are the kinds of things that I'm really trying hard to figure out. Uh, The uh, National Clonal Germplasm Repository based at Corvallis, Oregon, is the facility that takes care of of the the brambles uh, for the country's germplasm, as far as those berries is concerned. Uh, They have a large number there. Uh, And I have requested clones. Uh, They they do distribute cuttings, which you can root uh, under like mist. So I have other berries. In fact, I'm interested in the uh, the, the, uh, the first series of uh, horticulturally selected blackberries as well. Uh, so not just the Burbank uh, varieties, but also anything that was introduced a long, long time ago, 1850s, 1860s, uh, that actually would predate uh, Burbank's work and then subsequently as well. So um, there's an opportunity here for someone also to go through um, all the plant patent records and just check uh, all the varieties and find out if uh, what is being described uh, originated as, uh, as a new seedling in a person's garden or if it was actually found uh, uh, growing on an abandoned farm or home site or whatnot so uh, there are other berries uh, Armstrong uh, nurseries had introduced some berries which I don't hear of anymore and this actually brings me to uh, what we know today as the boysenberry. So another one of, uh, let's see, um, another one, okay, I'll go ahead and talk about the boysenberry first um, before I make the tie into what I think it could be as far as one of Burbank's hybrids. What I've read is that the, what we know as the boysenberry was found on the abandoned farm of Mr. Boysen in Northern California, somewhere I believe near Vacaville. Uh, again a long time ago and and of course uh, Mr. Knott got a hold of it and grew it and his wife baked those fabulous pies and I I made a call to a uh, berry farm back in Arkansas or so and I was told that uh, he said that there's something like 43 clones of what we know today as the boysenberry and so I uh, actually had the good fortune of meeting a lady at a, a talk I went to that was hosted by Jack Christensen, the famous rose breeder in Ontario, California and it was her mother-in-law that was good friends with Mrs. Knott. And she has the original clone that was grown uh, by the Knott family for the production of those berries. And other literature I've, I've come across, again, referring probably back to uh, Darrow's paper, the 1955 paper, says that the boysenberry was introduced in 1933. So, But we know, of course, from uh, the Knott's that they were baking pies with this fabulous berry. Um, as far back as the 1920s, and so uh, I'm not certain, but I have reasons to believe that what we know today as the Boysenberry, or at least one of the clones, may be a uh, maybe Luther Burbank's Primus berry, who was like the his most significant of the three uh, raspberry-blackberry hybrids, which was an intermediate uh, plant between a raspberry and a and a blackberry. And the flavor of the fruit was extraordinary, especially when cooked. So, uh, again, it's speculation. A lot of this is. At least uh, it gets the ideas going and, and um, offers some uh, avenues to chase down to see if I can uh, try and get more support in, uh, of this theory that uh, today's boysenberry actually uh, is uh, Burbank's primus berry dating back to the 1890s now unfortunately i was not able to get a, a clone i do have uh i do have boysenberries in fact i've ordered from several companies and, and checked around people are growing berries but i was not able to get a clone that is known has a, a sort of a pedigree if you will That was known to have grown at uh, for the knots which i'd like to do and then uh, compare it and just see uh, if some further work can be done but uh, taking the big picture uh, into perspective and knowing what I know now of what Burbank was able to do, there's no reason to think that his primus wasn't as good or better than anything else he had already done and uh, would do later in life. So uh, why that berry would disappear without a trace uh, would be a mystery to me. In fact, uh, this actually leads me to an, a little bit of an off-subject topic is uh, the Burbank rose. Um, was a very popular rose in this country in the 1930s, and nowadays it's it's basically extinct, it's virtually extinct in this country. I, I have noticed that uh, there are two rose firms in Europe, one in France and one in Germany, who had uh, offered the Burbank Rose, which looks strikingly similar to the the Peace Rose. Um, again, this is like a, a, another tangent, but uh, so, for some reason, a lot of Burbank's plants have been renamed and have um, disappeared. And getting back to the berries, I don't know. It's just speculation. But I would like to get a better answer on uh, how close uh, the boysenberry uh, is or could be to uh, Burbank's Primus Berry. And for that matter, there was uh, a Mr. Young who had developed the youngberry, which is, again, very similar to... Uh, the boysenberry and probably the primus as well. And I had read somewhere it was, he had done it as far back as 1905 and it wasn't introduced until much later, so. Uh, but it probably is different. I think he had actually used the phenomenal, he actually used one of Burbank's hybrids to produce uh, his young berry, so. Um, another little puzzle, another little uh, jigsaw puzzle to solve. And it'd be nice to find these plants. There are some, uh, there are other uh, blackberry, Strains, other blackberry varieties that Burbank produced. I think he called one Wilson's junior, one early harvest. I do have a blackberry I acquired from a uh, nursery back East, uh, probably the Midwest, Arkansas. That's called the Rose And, uh, again, it'd be speculative for me to say that it's a Burbank variety, but it could be, it, 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 it's a nice little blackberry. And so I don't know, uh, there's definitely some potential here, especially for people living uh, in the eastern part of the United States, uh, with the older, uh, even non-Burbank blackberry varieties. Just checking around old home sites, uh, they may find uh, some uh, a wild stand, a feral stand, if you will, of uh, blackberries that uh, might be one of the lost uh, name varieties, such as uh, the Dorchester or Kit or the Snyder, uh, in addition to the Burbank varieties. So. A lot of opportunity here if you want to make a discovery uh, and if you happen to you know, be fortuitous enough to be uh, in the area where these can be found uh, for that matter uh, even uh, places locally like the Los Rios Rancho apple orchard you know I talked to someone in the Nature Conservancy uh, the operation that runs that place that they had some blackberries they were trying to exterminate up there and I don't know maybe they are just you know so-called just Himalaya blackberries or maybe they're something else those are the kinds of leads that are, are helpful. Uh, plants need to be evaluated, preferably propagated for evaluation, and then further study can be done and, and determinations can be made and the record can be set straight. So it's neat stuff. I really like it and uh, there's a lot to do. I get the impression that Luther Burbank got out of bed and hit the day running uh, as much work as he did. In fact, there was some, some evidence of that effect that he would walk at a fast pace down a row of plants and just uh, mark with the heel of his shoe the ones that were to be uh, saved and everything else was to be ripped out and uh, put in a big bonfire so uh, the man worked fast and uh, definitely uh, uh, had the insight uh, needed to make those decisions uh, about his uh, plant hybrids but uh, i think that covers uh, pretty much the berries uh, blackberries and raspberries it's about uh, all I want to say at this time. Okay. Well, thank you, Roy. That was another interesting jigsaw puzzle of botany. If you guys have any information or any questions, you can go ahead and email Roy. Roy, what's your email address? All right. My email address is my name. It's Weersma at AOL.com. That's R-H-W-I-E-R-S-M-A at AOL.com. Okay. If you have any questions or any information on the mystery of the berries or plums or cactus, go ahead and email us here at programming or email Roy. That's programming at 963-K-O-Y-T. Thank you, Roy. That was very informative.